0: This I love you, Lord. often as humans we forget the goodness of God tonight we want to remember the goodness of God amen we don't have any progress, requests the John Walder. maybe you could come and open the service in a word of prayer if you have a need let it be known with an uplifted hand let it be known with an uplifted heart he's here to meet every need I'm needy I have needs so I've come expecting Brother the John
1: let's bow our hearts Precious Lord, how can we but lift our hands, Lord, when we sing and when we think of our lives, Lord, and how you've been so faithful, Lord. There's been times where we've felt alone, we've felt, Lord God, that nobody was there, but all our lives you've been faithful, Lord. You've never failed us, Lord. You've never let us down. You've been with us, Lord. You've never left us nor forsaken us. Lord, we're thankful for your mercy and your grace tonight, Lord. We're thankful for this place we can come, Lord. We're thankful for this sanctuary, Lord. We can lift up our hands and worship a God who is alive, not a dead God or a dead religion, but a God who is living in his people. Your word is true. It's, it's full of power. It's full of authority, Lord, and we're here, Lord God, to surrender our hearts, Lord Jesus. Before your word, Lord, as your minister would come, Father, we're just asking that you would take him aside, Lord, that you would so anoint him, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Touch his lips, Lord. Take him out of the way, Lord, that we may hear directly from your throne, Lord Jesus. We want to hear your heart, Lord. We want to hear your desires, Lord. If you have to correct us, if you have to mold us, if you have to shape us, Lord. You're the potter. We're the clay, Lord. Mold us and shape us to be more like you, Father. We all have needs and burdens, Lord. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. We bring our burdens unto you tonight, Lord, and we place them on your shoulders, Lord. We place our cares. We cast them upon you, Lord. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Father, we remember Brother Deepak tonight, Lord, praying that your comforting angels would surround him, Lord God, that you would be his portion, that you would be his strength, Lord, that you would go to his family and his offspring, Lord, and bring them, Lord God, to a place, Father, that they need to be, Lord Jesus. Comfort them, Lord God. We hold them up before you, Lord. When one suffers, we all suffer, Lord. We thank you for their lives, Lord. We thank you for, for Sister Vandy, Lord. You placed her in our midst for these years, Lord. We thank you for her life, Lord Jesus, her influence, Lord, her testimony, Lord. Pray that you just comfort the family, Lord. We just commit this service into your hands, Father, praying that you would just take control of everything, Lord, the song leader, music, Lord. May our hearts, Lord, be in tune with the supernatural, Lord. We just commit ourselves into your hands. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen.
0: Lord, we come to you in worship, no matter what the serpent stand, no matter Tonight, ready for the word, and I invite Brother Michael to come. Maybe we can sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus as we invite our brother to come. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Let's all stand. to read these words. I want to speak the name of Jesus over all fear and anxiety. Every soul held captive by depression. Maybe you're not held captive by depression tonight. Maybe you're not held captive by anything tonight, but there's someone in here who is. Because that's why we're meeting tonight, for the Holy Spirit to come and bind every one of those demons in our midst. Amen? Let's just sing this song as a declaration, as just to, to, just to free our spirits, free our souls, that the Word may come and be able to have an entrance into our hearts tonight. Amen? just want to speak and a stronghold
2: maybe just speaking the name of Jesus that doesn't really sound like much but when Mary spoke the name of Jesus what happened life came forth in a womb of Elizabeth Amen. at the speaking of the name of Jesus so you might think it's something small but tonight it can create life in a dead womb tonight amen that's why we speak his name no other name with the power like my Jesus does amen glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight My goodness, I know the world might think we're crazy coming to a midweek service through all the strains and the stresses of the world. But we're coming to worship, as Brother Daniel said, to let off the pressure. Amen. Brother Branham says, believers love to sing. (laughs) Don't we? Because it brings an atmosphere. It brings Him into our presence. And He loves to hear our worship and our praise. Amen. And then when He comes, something good happens. Amen. So I pray that the Lord would... Do something wonderful in your life tonight through this preaching of the words of the word tonight. But her Johnny Walner prayed tonight, and indeed, but our, we need to remember our Butter Deepak and the family. Sister Bandy was taken to be to go home this uh, this morning for us, Wednesday night for Brother Deepak in India. And so she's fought the good fight and gone to her reward. For me, it's They get pretty envious of someone that has gone on to eternity. But our Deepak's going to need our prayer. As he has to still continue to fight. God has something for him still. He still requires, but our Deepak where he's at. He still requires each one of us here or we wouldn't be here. Because when our time is done, the Lord says, no, I need you with me now. And so Sister vanny has been taken home. How do we know what the potter? He's the potter, we're the clay. And so we just remember our brother Deepak and the family. May the Lord use this situation to bring the children back to, back to the fold. Amen. Back to the fold tonight. Why don't we bow our heads in prayer as we just turn and change the order of the service. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've sang and we've praised and we've given worship, Lord, for this is the sanctuary of praise. It's the sanctuary of prayer. Lord, this is, Lord, a place that we have... Lord we've gathered many years Lord it's a precious little building but Lord putting the building aside it's the people Lord that are the church of the living God Lord we're uniting our little licks of fire tonight Lord that you would come in our midst Lord we don't desire just a, an empty service Lord we desire a moving of the spirit of the living God Lord to move on a soul maybe there's just one tonight that we need to unite for Maybe a soul that, Lord, is just hunkered down, maybe in a pew somewhere in this building. But, Lord, you know exactly where they are at. You can shine the light of your word upon their need. Lord, maybe it's somebody sitting behind a screen even right now, somewhere around the world, Lord, and here we are gathered together, Lord, pulling on the word, worshiping, Lord, and creating, Lord, an opportunity, Lord, that you could then start to stir and brood upon a soul. So Lord, we commit the evening to you and all that you would desire to do, Lord. We just place it at your feet. Lord, myself, the here, each one here, Lord, do as you desire in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We can go turn to the word tonight. We can open our Bibles to First Chronicles thirteen. Thank you, musicians. I started a new trend this evening. I brought a message book. So by the time I'm my, 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 my dad's age, I might have a whole stack. <laughs> I don't know if I'll read it there. I have the quotes in here, but my goodness, sometimes I know I know it's the new age. I bring my iPad here too. I know ministers preach to their iPads. That's fine. I have to do that in Africa. But something just about, you know, my goodness, you can look there and you just, wow, that's, you just can't highlight quite like you can in a book, you know, and line and it's just not the same. So I have my book here just in case. <laughs> First Chronicles 13. Five. We'll start at five. I pray tonight maybe it doesn't feel like uh, I don't know if you're a little kid and you know you needed a drink from the garden hose or something, it was summertime and your sibling or somebody, you know, fired that thing on so fast and you just you just got the whole thing in your face. I don't know if anybody ever did that, or maybe you've drank from a fire hose before, but I hope it's not like that tonight, and it's not, you know, just all coming all at once. I just pray we can try and find the channel the Lord desires for the thought tonight. So, first Chronicles 13, 5. David gathered all Israel together from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Himath, to bring the ark from Gerjath Jerim. So people are coming from all over uh, Egypt and Hemeth and all dared, because the ark of the Lord was now coming. David went up, and all Israel to Bala, that is to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring thence the ark of the God, the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart. Out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing. And with harps and psalteries and timbrels and cymbals and trumpets. It's quite a moment. But Abraham speaks about it being quite an anointed moment. But it was out out of the channel. And they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon. Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him. Because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore the place is called Perah. Parazaza unto this day, and David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Amen. I just want to maybe not where you think I'm going with this scripture, but I'm looking at verse 7, because they carried the ark in a new cart, and they were, God was uh, concerned about the way that they were carrying it. It actually mattered to him. So I want to take that a little bit uh, tonight, so you can have your seats tonight. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I'm going to title this sentence the, 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 tonight. I've wrestled with it, but I'm going to just go with the title Carriers of the Gift No Longer. So you might wonder, wow, that's kind of weird. Maybe you would stop with the first part. we carriers of a gift, but I'm going to Carriers of the Gift No Longer. And so here in, in Chronicles. David had figured out a way and he had consulted with the people that he, how to bring the ark and they came up with a new method. They came with this with this new way to carry the, the word, the ark, the, word of the, the tablets that were presented in there and the, the manna and such that were in the ark and David thought this was a grand idea. We will be, we'll build this cart. In fact, you know, they, the, the Philistines had done it this way they, when they had taken it, so they must have figured it worked for them, it should work for us. And he, and he didn't consult, but if you go into doing God's service without his will, you'll see how Brother Brown speaks about it, how David was, was not going through the right channel. He had been anointed with a good inspiration. But he didn't go through the channel of the prophet that was there to check that it was the right time, the right season. He goes through different things, but I'm not, I'm not going that way. But here this, this, this mode of carrying. And God, you'd say, well, what's the big deal? But God cares about the carrier. Right. He cared, obviously, because Uzzah died because it was the wrong method of carrying the word of God. God had already stated way back in in the earlier part of of the Scripture, in the law, where how the the Levites would take the, the ark and they would carry it over their shoulders and they were supposed to be specific staves of wood that were overlaid with gold and they would need to be carried by a certain people. In fact, if you go back to that time where the word was issued, wagons were given. Actually, to the part of the Levitical uh, different uh, families for certain things. But the sons of Kohath, he gave none. Speaking of wagons, actually. Because the service of the sanctuary belonging to them was that they should bear upon the shoulders the Ark of the Covenant. So even in scripture, specifically wagons were were even there, but they were off limits. David should have gone back and just consulted the word. But here the the carrier was, was, was vitally, well it was actually totally wrong. And I should say the carrier was vital. Carriers are important. Who here plays football? Wow, nobody. You know, I saw a clip today of a another church, a denominational church, and they had an announcement, and they, had a, they were announcing that they had their Super Bowl party on Sunday afternoon after the service, I said, oh dear God, so hopefully none of you are like that, but I know maybe some of you have played football before, but you know, football is a, a, a sport where you're carrying the ball, is quite important, and the carrier is important. Okay, none of you play football, so apparently I need to go and maybe do like a little clip or something like that. In fact, the UK had a clip out there for the British who didn't have any idea what the Super Bowl was, and so they broke it down for them. And you might need to watch that clip apparently from your reaction. You know nothing about football here in this room. But apparently in football, it's like this pigskin, it's got air in it, and there's a group of people on each side. One is defending, one is offending, and they carry the ball to the end zone. Are we all there on the page? Good. Some of you are now. Jogging a memory. It's actually one of the, probably the most biggest sport in, in the United States, and so I'm sure some of you are just being very quiet because really you, you scream very loud at the Seahawks games. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but you know, in someone we would say carrying the ball it means somebody is is taking responsibility they're you know they're, they're carrying the, the they're leading on a project or they're maybe the lead on an organization of a of a certain event so they're carrying the ball they ought to, they they assume responsibility they take command they kind of take the front run and and because it's in sports you got the ball carrier they're they're kind of the really important person you know in some cases the coveted position but it, don't covet it too much, because if the guy fails, or the guy that's carrying the ball uh, missteps and something goes awry, they're also the one carrying the responsibility of the failure. So it's not always the best position. But unfortunately, everybody wants to feel like they've they've got the ball; they're the ball carrier, uh, and uh, you know, on the team. But you know, every position though is important. Without your defensive line, you're toast. You know, without yes, without your QB, you're toast. You know, it's a team effort. No but no one's going to hire though if you're thinking of, we're talking about a carrier of the ball here no one's going to hire a person that is unable to carry the ball at the end of the day. So yes, there, there is a, it's important to ensure that somebody's trained appropriately to be able to carry. There's the five points of contact that they go through in football and how you got to carry that ball. Just exactly important with your pinky even right on the top of the ball. So it's right tight to your cl- chest, you know, high and tight and all these different terms. Because they're trained to carry the ball. Because nobody wants to pull, throw the ball and the QB is you know, the best in the league and he throws it to Mr. Fumblefingers who can't even carry the thing. Or they do the toss to him and he just, it, it just rumbles to the ground. They kick him out and he's fired. The carrier was vital. He's important. You know, they're not going to put me as a defensive linebacker or something like that or right on the front lines you know if you look at the size of these guys they're 6'8 66 6'10 365 410 pounds. he ain't the ball carrier he's the guy making sure no one's getting to the ball carrier right they're they're, they're built for a certain position right they don't they don't send you know the you know the 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 the, hockey, the team the team beast you know on a hockey team to go in, in, on the power play because he's not the one that's really trained to carry the puck, really for that moment. The carrier matters. At the end of the day, Brother Branham says when you're playing a ball game or it's football season, says so okay, Brother Branham even talks about football. The thing we want to do is not everybody try to take the ball away from the man that's got it. He's trying to guard the man, he's trying to protect him, trying to let him get through. We're trying to make a goal, he says. But could you imagine a team so untrained to find one man, their own man, with the ball running in the field, and instead of trying to knock the enemy away from him, he's on the opposing team, he said, let your own man that's got the ball, uh, that's going to take off with it. Every man's trying to take the ball out of his hand. He says, well, you're bound to lose. He says, and today we've got the same thing. We see God come on the scene, going to bless a certain thing. Let's keep the enemies away from it. Let's use our influences as tackles. I thought, why, well, what a quote. Let's use our influences as tackles. And whoever's carrying the ball, who's ever running with the, with the word of the hour at that moment there, or even a minister or the pastor of a church, let's put him, he says, let's, let's use our influences as tackles, not runners. Tackles that protect the runner. Let him pack the ball through. Amen? He says because there's no opposition, all he has to do is just keep running. He says many times in a church, a little church can have a revival going, and someone go out there, and he'll lead a prayer meeting, and he's got a different idea with what really the Bible says, and he believes it this way anyhow, and he'll start an influence to draw others away from it. Oh, sir, we're a body believers. We're a team, and there's a carrier, and there's blocker. And there's a whole group around it to ensure that the ball's not dropped. Amen? That's right. He goes, the man that's got the ball, don't take it out of his hands. Try to guard him. He says, but instead of that, because he don't belong to this place or your church or your organization, you try to take it away from him. Some man that's so clumsy, he couldn't stum- he'd stumble over flowers and a rug and then try to take it away from you. He says, well, he'll stumble over a little thing like Acts 2.38. Here she'll fail. He stumbles over Mark 16. He's going to make it. He's, and he's, how is he going to make it? He says, very chief lessons of Christ. But Abraham says, "One's pointing the ball." He says, "Let's guard the ball. This is the ball. The Holy Spirit is trying to pack it." He says, "It'll condemn communism. It'll condemn sin. It'll condemn unrighteousness. It'll manifest and glorify Jesus Christ, and it'll bring His person into the midst of the people." Let's block for that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Every one of you is packing the gospel. <laughs> Amen. With patience, run it with endurance. Maybe you have to learn how to, maybe you're twisting and dodging. Maybe better, Daniel, you're twisting and dodging today. They call it juking, <laughs> new term in football that I learned. You know what that means? It means you're like fainting this way and heading that way. So you can psych out the defender or the offender, I should say, as you're trying to run the ball. You know, you need to learn this. Sometimes you might feel like you're, you're dodging and dancing and you're twisting and turning. But as long as your knee don't touch the ground or your elbow, you're still good. <laughs> That's what they say. Well, we're in the fourth quarter. Maybe we're in the fourth down. We're in that fourth power, the eagle anointing, going out in this day. Amen? You're like, wow, that's a lot of football tonight, Brother Michael. Well, now you know. Brother Bram says, guard your man. Keep guarding him. Keep the rest of them so he can make the run, and we'll have a touchdown after a while, and Jesus will come. And then it'll all be over. That's what we're longing for, isn't it? Amen. But that's a ball. You know, people get so keyed up. Brother Brown even talks about it. If that's your God, that's your idol, just a, you know, a bunch of air and a, and, a, and a piece of leather, that's fine. But so, these people take so much uh, care and time and money into a carrier of a ball. But what about a carrier of something different? What about the carrier of life? Amen? What about that? What, 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 how, how about does that matter? The, the, I, to me, the mother is the greatest carrier of all. <laughs> she carries life inside of her. The most precious item of all is a little, a little baby, you know, the dad wants to make sure that everything is, is just right when a mother uh, and his wife is pregnant. And so, my goodness, he goes through all the cares and the cravings that she desires and, the, you know, all the perfect chairs. And I'm sure they have so many things these days to, to make sure that the back, this, the, that is all perfect. You know, everything you need. Just to make sure that life inside is being carried properly. Amen? Yes, sir. Nobody's going to deny a pregnant woman anything. <laughs> well, she pretty much can write a blank check. What do you need? Because she's carrying something pretty precious. Amen. She's a carrier. And the most precious package known to mankind. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of precious things out there that we handle with care. But nothing is handled so much or carried, carried so much as life. Life is something so, so incredible. It differentiates so many. You know, if, you're, if you had a stuffed doll, well, I'm sorry, you wouldn't care too much. But because there's something called life inside, you care about the carrier. Big time. You say, well, what is life exactly? What is it that makes life? Well, here's your defining properties of life. It's an organization of cells. One or more cells that provide different functions. There's a property of metabolism that uses energy. These cells consume nutrients and carry out reactions. There's homeostasis, which regulates its environment. There's growth. When something has life, it grows. It's a living organism that, and it regulates that growth. It reproduces. Life reproduces as as, as organisms can do and create new organisms, and they respond to environment. And they even actually, yeah, if you want to get into the genetics of it all, a living organism that has a life in it will actually, its genetics will actually evolve. Uh, if you look into a... Um, uh, certain organisms that resist certain uh, you know, uh, agents to try and kill them, bugs for instance, and there's maybe a small group that resist it, well then they will reproduce and multiply and that resistance then moves on and so that the, the species can kind of just evolve in, in a way. That's the defining properties of life. But where did it come from? Right, right. Like where did it, what's the source? That, that's great. That's the properties of life, but where did it start who gave it that ability? Who gave it the ability to, to reproduce? What, what made it use energy and, and take nutrients? What, what does that? You no, know, surely not some big bang. Not some cosmic, you know, combustion or some amoeba somewhere. No, sir. John 1, 1 John 1, 1 says that was which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Amen? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen? He said we handled him, the word of life. He was the word. If the word was God and was made flesh, Jesus Christ was the word. And then in John he says and the word we handled the word of life, then the word is life. Can we, can we go there? Amen. And God in the beginning in Genesis said when it talks about Adam, it speaks Adam, who God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. And I thought, surely it wasn't in, in your mind you might think that God breathes breath into his nostrils. But no, God, the breath of God is the word of God. Amen. God is life. God could just speak and life comes. Amen. It's needs to breathe the air, but his word is there. You say, well, I don't know, Brother Michael. Well, when Lazarus was in the grave, and he was dead as dead could be, and this and Jesus Christ stepped on the scene, what did he do? He didn't go down and find Lazarus's body and pff, breathe some air in his nostrils. No, he called his name, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Guess what? The breath of life entered that body and called a spirit back from the realm, and out he walked. Yes, sir. Because the Word, who is life, uttered forth the Word to bring him back. That's called supernatural CPR. That's what that is. Amen? Amen. It's because the Creator spoke. The Word spoke. So life came forth. Amen? That's what is happening in Ezekiel 37 or so with the dry bones. There, there were wretched dry bones sitting there looking scary, a skeleton of nothing, dry and crumbly. Dead as dead could be. Then the prophet started to speak. The word said prophesy. So he said and the sinew started to come. And he said and the tendons and, the, and the muscles started to come across those dry bones. Still dead. Yes sir. Right? The flesh started to come and, and all the different subcutaneous tissues and the, the fatty tissue indeed as well. It started to form across that skeleton. But it's still dead. Then the skin started to come and the top layer of the epidermis of the body started to form. Maybe little hairs started to come across the body. Wow, that's looking really good there. But it's still dead. But there had to come a moment when the breath of God, the word of God, spoke by a prophet, could say, Rise! That was the same each one of us. Some of you were looking like dry bones. You were dead in sin, wretched. You looked like one scary skeleton in the world. Say, oh my goodness, could those dry bones live? Well, thou knowest, Lord. Oh, maybe some of you looked like a little better than that. You had some sinew on you, you had a little muscle on you, but you were just living a good moral life, but you're still dead. Oh, some of you were actually even in your fleshly skin. you had nice, perfect hair, your dew is all great, but you're laying there dead in a church of denomination, and you were dead dead. But then God, the breath of God, issued forth a word of this day, and said, "Come forth. That was Malachi 4, sick giving you CPR to say pump, 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 pump. Pum. It wasn't air. It was the Word that came across your pathway to bring dry bones to life. Hallelujah. Breathe. Breath of God. Word of God. Breathe tonight. May the Word just start to move across the congregations, out over that camera, over the airways. Not air. The Word. And man, Adam, became a living soul. And this church, this bride, became a living soul. And you don't think he cares about life? Oh, he cares. Because it's not your life. It's his life. He's breathed into you. It's not willy-nilly to him. John 1, 3-4 says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's why God hates murder. He's life. He creates. He's the source of life. He is life. So someone comes along and takes life, mm-mm. you're in the bad books. With the Creator I tell you even hunting and hunting and you shoot an animal you've taken life God-given life I stood in front of a big honking moose and I wept because I took life it's precious to God no 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 you are on God you're on God's watch list you be careful for food sure That's probably random. That's why though, that's, you say, well, that's kind of you know, way out there. But you know what? That's why killing an influence, that's actually someone's representation of their life. That's their character. That's being exuded. It's who they are. And you kill that. Brother Branham says the people with these saw blade tempers spouting off in the mouth at somebody can't put up things like that. Be careful. You're guilty if you speak a word against your brother. That's not right. Not just go around and tear down. You don't have to stick a knife in the back. And that will bring it to, you, to our table. You don't have to stick a knife in the man's back to kill him. You can break his character and kill him. Kill his influence. Speak against your pastor here. Say something bad about him. You just might as well have shot him. Oh, how, how little fire that little tongue kindleth. Right? You say, well, no, no. That's the life that you are now just damaging. Actually, you might as well just shot him. Told something that wasn't right about him. Well, if we kill his influence with the people, things like that, and you're guilty. The rabbi says, Jesus, what Jesus said, referring back to scripture. And so, hey, God, <laughs> God don't let that go. Because God cares about life. God cares about life. And he cares about the carrier of life. In fact, why even the scripture says in 1 Corinthians, Know you not that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? You're a temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And then it says, If a man defile the temple of God, he shall God destroy. Because inside the temple is life. You want to defile the carrier, God says, I'll destroy that. That's pretty strong. We're accountable for what we do even with the carrier of life. Yeah, indeed. It's Wednesday night. <laughs> it's just home cooking, okay? All right. So, as we've said oh, before, maybe we get them walking shoes out again. Keep these little carrier bodies going good. Life. Eve could say, I received a man from the Lord. I stumbled so many people on serpent seed. Well, look at that. How could Eve have gotten something from the devil? She says, "I have gotten, gotten a, a man from the Lord. Of course. Who else could give life? There's only one life giver. It's God himself. He gave life. You could have all the body, you could have everything you want, but that baby could be born, and it could be dead as dead could be, if there's no life inside of it. If the breath doesn't come forth and that thing doesn't start to cry, it's dead, still born. So guess where it comes from? God, the life giver. Yes. Amen. So the giver of life. He cares. And he gave the ability of a woman. I'm going to go into a little bit. You're going to have to help me. He gave the ability, because of the fall in the garden, I won't go into all that, but he gave a woman the ability to carry life. All right? As we talked about, even a pregnant wife, if, if a man, if a husband cares, what do you think God thinks? What do you think God thinks? Brother Branham says, when carrying, this is not Brother Branham, when carrying something precious, we take great care, we take great strain because something something precious has been entrusted into that carrier. And a sacred trust, Brother Branham said, is, is given to a woman. Sacred trust. But Abraham says her body is given to her a sacred trust from God. Now you might take this and listen natural, but I want you to bring it spiritual. Because a woman is a type of the church. So I might say things on a natural aspect, but I need you with a spiritual mind to come and look at it on a spiritual aspect as far as the church is concerned, all right? So the body is given to her a sacred trust from God. No female dog, no bird, no animal, no other creature. She is the only one. That's the reason it's so sacred. She is to bring forth life into the earth. Her body is the bedding grounds of life. Therefore, that's the reason she is given this sacred trust. This is a woman. Now, we want to watch the natural and the spiritual as Brother Branham goes and talks about it. And so a sacred trust of life. We keep you got to keep there's certain virtues and spots. Brother Branham talks about it, the, the spots of denomination off because it's a sacred trust that God has given to a bride. Amen? Because we're carriers, carriers of a gift. We're carriers of life. Scripture says the unspeakable gift, unspeakable gift. Spurgeon said it's unspeakable because if the theme we have to preach about were speakable, we should have exhausted it. Oh, but how many preachers have preached around the world over the thousands of years, over and over and over again, and have not exhausted the unspeakableness of the Word of God? The theme continues and continues, because it's eternal. Amen, he says, with sea without a shore, an ocean without a bottom, we'll keep on preaching for another 2,000 years if the Lord does not come, and we'll never get to the end of this theme, I am quite sure. You're a carrier of that gift, the gift of life, the Holy Spirit Himself. Well, you know, but it's my body, it's my right. Well, I know I'm on some dangerous ground. I do what I want to do. I believe what I want to believe. Oh, I'm just going to type on the internet. And, oh, that looks good. Yeah, what's he saying about that? Oh, be careful. Be careful you're accountable. You have a trust with the almighty one of what you and how you hold yourself. I'm speaking spiritually. Natural applies, but I'm speaking spiritually. Oh, I can just live any way I want to live. As, as they have in natural aspects and prostitute themselves to the world and think, and and then spiritually think this and think that and you're prostituting the womb spiritually to the things of the devil and inhibit even life. Brother Branham speaks about it. And that's exactly really what spiritually is happening in the church realm. As a natural realm, it's my body, my thoughts, my way, my interpretation, what my friend says, what my pastor says, what my family member says. They go here, I go there, and no leading of the Holy Spirit. You're under a sacred trust. I wouldn't be just following anybody for nothing. It's you and God. But Abraham says she has a sacred trust of virtue. Committed to her by the Lord a certain virtue. Nothing else holds it but a woman that's committed to her by God. She must not defile that virtue. Amen. She must not go out and live with this man and do this kind of thing and defile the virtue. He says if she does something wrong, she must confess that to her husband before he takes her and makes it right. That's the same as the church that was married to the law has come before Christ before the second marriage. This is invisible union of Christ. He said she has a sacred trust of womanhood committed to her that she must not break. The womanhood I'm speaking of is her conduct and her character around men. That's why the, the sisters... That's why it's so vital your conduct and how you conduct yourselves around the brothers and brothers, vice versa. It applies as well in, in your aspect as well. But you, you are a reflection of the bride of Christ. You are a reflection of the church of God. And you're under a trust to ensure that you hold that. Because if you are, if a church is just willy nilly out here, date this guy, do this kind of thing, oh, haha, push off this kid here and that guy there, it's a disgrace and it's a representation of the spiritual side and it should not be God says no you're mine and mine alone you're not anybody else's guy just to push off of this and that and go play this and tackle that never you have a trust of womanhood I'm not preaching at the sisters I'm preaching at the church of the living God Look at these screens. See these movie stars kissing and hugging and slopping around. Woman does that is a bad character. She might be virtuous otherwise, but see in her heart. Hey man, he says those sex glands in the lips. The man kisses a woman. It's potentially committing adultery. He says he could kiss her on the hand. It wouldn't mix. But it's on the sex glands, on the lips, and Hollywood today, and all the slopping and loving around with women and so forth. Little girls looking at that all. No wonder our morals are rotten and decayed and filthy because it's put before the children. That's right. It has to be that way for the last day. But not so in the church of the living God because there's a bride, there's a woman, there's a church that takes her trust seriously before God. I will not defile myself. I will hold that. I will consecrate it. I'll hold my virtue pure. I will hold my womanhood, womanhood pure. I will hold my motherhood pure. I said, keep the church in mind. She's kissing and slopping and mixing around and everything else, but the word. Let the devil and education and scientific searches and so forth. about scientific searches. My, anybody's Googling and searching on Google about scientific searches and this. And well, I don't know, is the cloud, did it really real? Scientific searches. She's kissing and slopping and mixing with everything else but the word. Oh, she has a sacred womanhood. A trust of motherhood. But Abraham says that's what breaks up homes, spoils the children, makes neurotics, makes teenage delinquency, is when motherhood and fatherhood is broke. It's just the same. He says the enemy's taken our American women. It can be all over the world, but Abraham is speaking here and stripped them down out of their streets. No wonder little boys, and little girls, things shape the way they are. They're always trying to pattern after a woman in Hollywood, married four or five times. He says, that beautiful virtue that God gave a woman to be a mother has been marred. He says, you break motherhood, you've broke the nation. It's a disgrace to our nation, he says. Any nation, the backbone's broke when you break motherhood. Try and walk around with a broken backbone. Try and function as a bro- with a broken backbone. You break the backbone of motherhood. Try and function as a family with a broken motherhood in the home. You won't function because you've broken motherhood. And it's a broken backbone that paralyzes the very ability to function. Oh, God, he says, give us old-fashioned mothers again. Yes, sir. He's preaching to, to, to the world on the tapes and such. But it's a warning. Uh, for all of us, mom that maybe put some bacon on the table or coming home with a nice tidy home when daddy comes to work, mother that there's all oh, her world is her children not some Instagram feed somewhere and kids know who know plugged into something somewhere but her world is her children, that's a sacred trust that you have between God you'll stand there and answer to him and daddy so will you as men of the home to bring your home in order well, you're not off scot. You're not off scot-free. Actually, that's your responsibility to bring your home in order. Sure. I'm just speaking about sort of deviate there, but I'm speaking about God cares about the carrier because a woman is a carrier of life, and that's what I'm speaking about because she has a trust. Why? Because she carries life. You say, "Wow, all of that." Because of-? yeah, that's how much God cares. Because he is the author of life. And so he cares about where he deposits it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My goodness. Well, that's natural. And it's spiritual though. But Abraham says he's a type. She has the same precious virtues by spirit to preserve the spirit and the word and never commit adultery with anything of the world or anything. Stay virgin to the word as a woman is to stay virtuous to her husband. It's a sacred trust to honor her Lord's word above every man-made creed. All right. That's where we are. You say, wow, that's strong. Hell, it's his, it's his word. Take it up with him, not me. And now the church, I'll just take that. Now the church, you take the woman, the carrier of life. But the church, through the ages, has been a carrier. Okay? And I'll just try and go through this as I can, as we look, we'll keep an eye on our time. And so there's a, there's a uh, God, God will, uh, why is, uh, I'm going to go back there. Why so strong? Because God will not unite. God will not have a union with a defiled bride. That's why. Only life that she can have is his word seed. That's it. So God is caring and ensuring, keep, it, keep, your, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself virtuous. Keep, keep it pure because I'm only going to deposit my word seed into an undefiled church. Amen. And so here, if we go back in time, as we just follow along in history, we've gone through this before, and you've probably heard it many times, and I'll touch on that a little bit. But if we go back in history, the church ages, or the church, was a carrier. It was a carrier of, the, of, of, of life. And Brother Branham speaks, if, if I get through the service tonight, and you feel like it was just that fire hose, well, you just go back, and you can read, seed is not air with the shuck, and then you're like, oh, that makes sense now. So there you go. You can go back to that message after the service. See does not air with the shuck, which is a beautiful message. I said, Lord, that might be my newfound favorite. Speaks it two times. Read them both. But if you go back in time, but Branham takes the church ages, and and he takes Luther, and Wesley, and Pentecost, and then he types it with Hagar, Sarah, and Mary, and then he brings it in line with the stock, the tassel, and the shuck. All right? And so we'll just go through that a little bit. And I just, I'm so amazed. My goodness, there's no message like this message that can just layer scripture and type and scripture and type and just bring them all just together and just... Like wow, incredible! Without this message, you'd just be scrambled. Hagar would just be Hagar, Sarah would just be Sarah, Mary would just be Mary. Oh, what about Shuck and Hattasa and all that? Oh, you wouldn't even know what the church ages are. But a prophet comes and just brings them all together, just like that. You're like wow, I can see it just penetrate all the way to the Old Testament. My, it's beautiful. And so here, Hagar, but Abraham says by one little slight difference. Hagar was a carrier of seed. Hagar was the bondwoman. If you go into the scripture, Brother Branham reads out of Galatians, the bondwoman would not be heir with the free. But Hagar was the bondwoman. She was a slave, and Sarah, by her doubt, gave her to Abraham. Said, "You, you, you take Hagar. We are never going to have a son by me. Here, take, take my, take my servant." And she was given to given to Abraham, and she produced by a seed. But she was not the right. He was not the right womb. She came and produced, but Abraham says, a wild man. That's what he said. Hagar, slight difference through woman, not through Abraham. Now, Abraham didn't want to do it, but God let him do it. Same thing. He let Balaam go now. He says, slightly differing, she brought forth an Ishmael, which was a wild man, never conquered, and he lived by his bow. He was a wild man. But she was a carrier, a portion. She, she, she took seed from Abraham, and out came Kind of like Abraham, but it surely didn't look nothing like what the royal seed was supposed to look like. Amen? That's what Brother Branham was speaking about. But he says, notice she, the carrier, now Hagar, came forth as a stalk. As the stalk. And so he's showing that as the the growth, typing it to a grain of wheat. And we come, he goes, then we come to the pollen, the shuck then, and we come to the seed. He says, the stalk does not look at all like the seed. Ishmael didn't look at all like what the promised seed should have looked like not by a long shot. And he said, and then neither was Luther. If we look at Luther, it didn't look really anything quite like what the original was supposed to look like. Can you imagine what Luther, the just shall live by faith. This is what became real to him. There were so many other things that were way off target. I mean, I read through the 95 thesis today, actually. Anybody ever done that? It uh, it didn't in Latin, but it was translated, so I'm hoping it was close to what it was supposed to be. They were so far off, so many things, but something, a little bit of seed had been deposited. Life was coming forth a little bit. It was being carried up through that little vessel, and Luther started to preach forth. And can you imagine, even in that little bit, they started to get a Bible in their language. And for the very first time, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to read a little bit of Psalm. I've never seen this before. Give ear to my word, oh God. That's the first time it'd ever been read. Right. Consider my meditation. Yeah. They would have gathered around and they would have read for the first time: though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Right. Think of the strength. That started to be infused into that little church for the very first time. He's with me. We've been going through dark times. But now I'm just hearing that the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, is with me in the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, praise be to God. We just read it. Now there was a first time. It was the first time it was that little stalk that was going. It didn't look like much, but it was starting to be infused. It was carrying life. They believed in Trinity still. Baptism wasn't in Jesus' name, but it was just starting, just a tiny little bit, was starting to look a l- just a little bit as it started to birth its way through, and life started to move through the stalk. My goodness. But Abraham says, you know, justified, if you just took a hold of that, maybe some of us actually just need to take a hold of what justification, actually really means we just kind of power over it, but actually with justified, and Brother Brown says, though you've never done it at all, justified, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, till it's put back, put in the book of, uh, book of God's forgetfulness, we, we can't forgive, or sorry, we can't forgive, good thing we do, but we can't forget, I could forgive you, but always remember the evil things. But the bride is justified. She never done it in the first place. Oh, we sing a song, I'm justified. And you walk out there, and you get outside the doors, pretty near to your car, and the devil's already condemning you're like, oh, man. No, you didn't even do it in the first place. That's what Luther, that's what started to give him some faith muscles. That's what started to give the Luther age faith muscles. I'm justified? You mean I didn't do it? He doesn't even put it to my account? Nope. Oh, my goodness. That's all they needed. And the life started to move through. But it's in the carrier stage, Brother Brown says, at the first Reformation when Luther came forth out of darkness. he say, well, Brother Brown even says, well, are they saved? He said, Yep. Those, but those that rejected sanctification, as the life now started to move into the next stage or the next age, he says, those that rejected sanctification, you had to follow life. Brother Branham, state, watch it. Wesley, Brother Branham, then says, Sarah, now she also received seed. Hagar, Sarah received seed through a natural relationship. And, and, and types it with Wesley as the, the life started to move through and come up into the tassel and Wesley started it through the sanctification and a holiness movement and the sanctified through the blood and the cleansing power of the blood as, as scripture says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord and so they started to see, my goodness uh, we can't be doing carousing and doing this kind of thing, but there's a holiness God requires a sanctified life God requires a cleansed life And so that's where the life started to move up into the tassel, looking a little bit more like what the promised seed. But even Isaac wasn't the representation. Isaac was not the royal seed. And the life started to move forward a little closer. A little closer to the original. Sarah, a free woman, through promise now produced a kind, a gentle. But Abraham says, Isaac, he looked a little more closer to the, but not the royal seed. He says, now, he said, uh, what happened was out of Isaac's seed, they rejected and crucified the royal seed. The pollen, the tassel was Wesley, and actually looked a lot more like the seed than what the leaf did. And what Luther's did, it's a carrier still. We're a holy people, a called out nation. Wesley came a little further in the order of holiness and then to get, and to get a sanctified and a cleansed life, but it just still wasn't looking quite like the original. It wasn't, it was gentle, yes, but they rejected the seed. They crucified him. And Sarah, there, just like Sarah said, well, should I have pleasure with my husband looking at my, me and old and all that? And she doubted. So it wasn't perfect, it wasn't exactly, and so did Wesley, he said, oh we can't accept them speaking in tongues, and divine healing stuff, that's not for us in this day. And so they also rejected the moving, they rejected the life, and so the carrier, the life passed through them, and then they moved on into another stage. God said, I promise in my last days, I'll pour out my spirit. He promised to do it, and he done it anyhow. And the Wesley Church, with all his little Paul and sisters, Baptists and such, and all the United Brethren, died right with it, and the church moved on. And so came into Mary. But Abraham types then into Pentecost, into the shuck, into the husk. And the life moved on and now started to look a little bit more. The outpouring and the restoration of the gifts. Oh, it was looking so close. Mary, she said, be it unto me according to your word. She believed what Sarah did not. and She accepted the word like Abraham by faith. And said, oh Lord, I'll I'll, I'll receive it, whatever you say. And that seed was deposited into her. But Brenham speaks about that. She was still just the shuck. She was still a carrier. I know you're going to be like, oh, my brother Michael. Well, you go read the, you'll go read the message. I'm just reading and taking right from the prophet. Mary, she was not the mother. Joseph was not the father. It was not Mary's egg, and it wasn't a seed. It was created by God. Brother Abraham says it was, it was not a relationship, but it was through a promise, just like Abraham got a promise. But Mary was not the seed. She was only the shuck to the seed. She was an incubator. She was holding the seed within her. She was a carrier, but something inside of her was going to be pushed out. Something in Pentecost was going to be pushed out. There was something inside. there. It was just to shuck the covering, the incubator, the protector, but at a specific time. At a specific moment, at a specific season, Mary was going to birth not a, a not a, 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 a representation, but it was going to be the actual original seed. Her womb nurtured it, and out of Mary came the mighty conqueror. Out of the shock, out of Pentecost, birthed a different season. Not part God, not half God, not just a little bit, not, oh, that kind of looks like it. It wasn't a Hagar that birthed out an Ishmael. It wasn't a Sarah that birthed out an Isaac that crucified Christ. It wasn't even a Mary that Brother Branham says went into the temple and denied the virgin birth. Read it. That's what she did. He said in Pentecost, denied the moving. He said and they, they, they stuck her down on, well, just his tongues. And, and, and that's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And they denied the moving of the, of the word, of the hour coming forth. Just like Mary, it was a shock. It was a carrier stage still. Wow. Pentecost was Mary, but Abraham said. Pentecostal feast. What Mary did. What did Mary do wrong? Just what I said. She had left him. And the modern church, about three times five, he goes actually into some years, 50 years ago, they left Christ, he said, Mary went back, and she did exactly the things she should not have done. He said, your father and I have sought you with tears day and night, your father and I claiming that the birth wasn't supernatural, and Pentecost took speaking of tongues and denied the birth of the word. But watch, this is really where I want to go this whole time, these were all carriers, These were all carriers of life. And God cared. He cared about them. He made sure that that life came through that stalk. He preserved them all through those ages, ensuring that Luther received what he needed, pouring down the revelation for the time. He was caring about the carrier because they were carrying the unspeakable gift inside of them and allowing it to move through the process. But at this point, at this time, Something changed. Brother Brown says, but watch. There will not be any more organizations after this. Because Mary the Shuck birthed the Word. She birthed the original seed. Pentecost birthed what? If Mary birthed Christ... If she was the one that, that the seed came forth and the perfect one stepped on the scene, Jesus Christ, the original seed, what did Pentecost birth? You can look back at Mary and say, Oh, he was the perfect one. He's everything the scriptures type. That's Jesus Christ on the scene today. But that was Mary, the shock. But Pentecost, the shock, birthed what? <laughs> it birthed you. It birthed Malachi 4. It birthed the Son of Man again, the original seed, revealing the prophet Son of Man so that what could come forth is the original seed bride again. It's been carriers all that time. But when Christ walked out, it was no more carrier. It was the life. The life was now on the scene. Not someone carrying the life. Not someone carrying the ball. Not a one with it in her womb. But the one, the source of it all, stepped out onto the earth. Amen. And after Pentecost, it was no longer carriers. It was no longer a church carrying through or an age carrying through. In this time, it's not a carrier, but it's the original life. It's the seed coming, forming. It's got to lay in the presence of the Son. Continuing further, he says, forming the perfect body, body of Jesus Christ. He says, oh, he talks about the children of Israel. He said, all of them, he said, yet except for very few were not but carriers for the children who should follow, and them go into Canaan land. Oh, he says in another quote, I am the happiest person in the world that God has let me see this. And in another part, he says, oh, he just strains to make sure people see this. As he speaks about the shock and the seed and what was coming forth, you're no longer in a carrier stage please catch this. You're no longer in a Lutheran stage. You're no longer in a Wesley stage. You're not in a stock. You're not in a tassel. You have been birthed forth from the shuck and you are the original seed word of God. So I've heard this before. Well, you know what? I bet you a newlywed when they said, I love you for the first time. Oh my goodness, that little girl was just a swooning away. That's the first time I've ever been told I've been loved before by my men to be. But you know what? Okay, that's it. Sorry, we're done. I won't tell you that anymore, but God's word, over and over and over again, it's him telling you, I love you, I love you, I've birthed you, you're my original seed, see this type through scripture here, see how this is, see how it just blends so perfectly, yeah, I've heard you tell me I love you before, no sir, my goodness, I love how Brother Branham would say, oh, he'd talk about Billy Graham, Graham six letters, Abraham seven letters and all that. But he just never would get there and say, we don't write him seven letters. He never would ever do that. You're like, just say it. But he never does. And he takes you through all these different stages. But he, it, he, and he says it in a couple different spots. But it's never just stating exactly wh- where, who you are. Because he said back then, you're green. I'll read it. He says, it's got to lay in the presence of the sun. It's the seed coming forth. The uh, glorious grain like the first one the real church went down and he says that I don't have it in front of me but he said it's still green and it needs to lay there but that was back in 65 and the word has gone forth year after year after year the message has gone around the world and around the world why to ripen so that you and I you know what age you live in the golden age The golden wheat age of golden wheat that is laid in the presence of this word so that we're ready. I tell you, Brother Tom said it on Sunday, urgent. I stood in my study. I said, God, where are we? Where are we in this age? We are at rapture time. There's no more ages. There's no more stock, no more tassel, no more shuck. It's all original seed. And if you ain't ready, I'm sorry, but rapture is upon us. Revelation 3, we find the seed needs, put him out. Said there's no more denominations, we're at the end. And the shock put out the seed. That's why in this day, the seed has been pushed out. Separate from that, from all the denominational organizational world. Oh, he says it must be all the word. The fullness of the Godhead revealed through the seed of Mary and the fullness of the Godhead. The whole revealing of who he is in this day. The same time it has to match. Both the same. The same life. Back again in a bride church. That's who you are. That's who this message came for. To call out. To produce. Not another carrier. You're not a carrier. You are the word. Made flesh today. I know that's maybe a tough pill for you to swallow, but that's what this age is. Brother Branham says, as I close, yes, indeed. Luther and Wesley all had portions. As a pregnant mother, she changes over time. She grows, of course, as the baby grows. And what's inside changes, even functions, and even the mother's body goes through different changes of such as she's carrying, as life starts to come to a point where it's to be birthed. And then what happened when Jesus Christ came forth, it was no longer just symptoms and signs from the carrier, but actually what was on the inside now was made manifest, Amen. He was the joy. He was the fullness of healing. He was the peace. He was the life giver that now stepped on the scene. And the same life that was produced in Jesus Christ is the same life that was produced in the Son of Man ministry in this day. Amen. His life revealed through the word today. It produced. Not will has or will be. It has produced a word bride. Brother Brenham says the secret of the message now. Just exactly, he's speaking now about Mary. Because the word spoke back to Mary and said, I must be about my father's business. When she did doubted who, the virgin birth, he says, what is the father's business? He says, can you think of what the father's business was in him? It was to fulfill Isaiah, a virgin shall conceive. It was to fill Isaiah, the lame, the shall leap like a heart. It was to take him to a place like Moses said, that God will raise up a prophet among you like to me. It was the father's business to fulfill the word. He said, the secret of this message now is to be about the Father's business. Your business is to fulfill the Father's word in this day. Amen. He says, Well, if that comes down to this talks of natural women, what about these talks spiritual church women? He says, Then what is it now? We must be about the Father's business. The wheat would cry back, the grain would cry back. Yes, sir. What must we do, he says, vindicate Malachi 4, vindicate Luke 17, 30, vindicate Hebrews 13, 8, vindicate John 14, 12. That's the duty of the word bride is to vindicate this word. Jesus did. He said, I'm the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the ending. If he, what he did when he was here on earth at the fulfillment of the production of the original seed, what will it be at the omega? At the end of the last day, it will be the same thing. What did the son of man do? It vindicated Malachi 4. And what is the bride seed doing? It's vindicating. Right? Right? Malachi 4 came to turn the hearts. A prophet had to come to turn the hearts. You are vindicating Malachi 4 because it's your heart that was turned. It took two sides. It took a prophet and it took a bride to vindicate Malachi 4. You are about your father's business. Vindicating he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Vindicating that he's a healer. When you reach out in prayer, who here has been healed in the name of Jesus Christ? You don't even need to put your hand. I have. Therefore, that scripture, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, is vindicated in me. It's no longer carrying no ball. You are the ball, you are the seed. So close, but Abraham says it deceived the very elect. It needs to be. He speaks about the world that has to be in a certain position. It had to be a certain position. He says to make the seed break forth out of the dirt, going back in the dark ages and the conditions that had to happen. He says, but the world has to be in a certain position to make the seed break forth out of the dirt. It had to come that way to get it up upon the dark age and you can look at the age around you and you say oh all this difficult times and the economics of this and the politics of that and all the different struggles and strifes and such it has to be this way the world has to be in a certain condition so that the seed could come to its position do you know the seed has to lay in the dirt to die to rot before it can bring forth again he said, so that whole age had to be in a way. The economies and the politics and such had to be in a way so that it could create the conditions so that that seed church could go into the ground, go into a dark age. Oh, don't dismay. He said, well, it's just so much, it's Sodom out there. It's wicked. My goodness, I was on vacation. I had to go, when you were walking someplace, I just had to put my head down and walk like this. It's a wicked age. But it has to be this way because it's going to birth a people that are bride ready, that are bride people. Why? For one purpose. One purpose. Because God is desiring a bride. That holds the original life. No longer a carrier. He's not looking for stock. He's not looking for tassel. He's not looking for shuck. He's looking for the seed. Original seed. Original life. As the musicians come, I'm gonna have those that are ready to sing can come and sing. There's a carrier. Though that is still what it's inside, there's a new creation. Inside, we've been transformed. Inside the seed of God, there's eternal inside. But there's this flesh here. This is not eternal. This flesh is not. But inside, it's carrying eternal. It's carrying eternity in me because his life is in me. But this is not. This is not. The flesh, this flesh is carrying eternity. But Abraham says, and then when you become subject to the spirit, it throws your whole being subject to the spirit. And the spirit is nothing in the world, but the seed word made manifest. Quickened, made alive, he says. He says, don't do this. The body quickly turns to it. There's no question. Speaking about what's inside, taking this flesh into control. He says, what is it? It's the earnest of the resurrection. Inside you is the earnest of the resurrection. Eternity inside. But it's being carried by this little business here. He says the body will raise up again. It's already started. Inside, he said it's already started. It was once subject to sin and mire and corruption, but now it's got the earnest. He says it's turned heavenly. Now that earnest that you're going in, the rapture, it's the earnest. Amen. This body though, it's this unconverted, this flesh that needs to be changed. It's still in the flesh. But inside is a word body. Inside is a word seed. And there is a word body. That is calling for. And it's part. This inside word is calling to that word. And there's a point where this fleshly body will really it will be dissolved into nothing. And we'll come in contact. No longer will this flesh be a carrier, but the seed inside will unite with the word theophany body. Amen. No longer a carrier, but he will be one body. In a moment. <laughs> This little carrier will pass away. Amen. When this old flesh dissolves. But my word inside me never passed away. Amen. The word in you unites with the word body that is there. That's the body. And this flesh <laughs> will be a carrier no longer. Amen. The word seed unite with that word body. Brother Brown says she, Mary, was not identified in the resurrection with him. Listen now. He died and rose again because he was the word. She was just a carrier. She died and is still in the grave, her body in the grave. He said, that's right. She was just a carrier. She was not his mother, not God. She was a carrier like the churches are. Shows she was just a carrier, not the word. But this bride, you're not a carrier. That's what I'm trying to tell you, saints. The word inside of you is the same word that was inside of the original seed that he, when he did, he didn't die, but he rose again. That means you and I, with the word inside, we're not going to be identified like a Mary, but we're identified in resurrection we will vindicate Second Thessalonians Amen. for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord you are going to vindicate that's your position that's who you are you're not a carrier but this body will be united and will resurrect Just as the original seed did I want the song sung tonight They're going to sing for you Are you she? You can go and start I just want you to listen to this I've listened to it about 18,000 times I am she You can go along and sing it Go ahead Need the microphone imagine you can stand i can imagine if they're coming as you cross the gates of pearl and they say oh oh, uh, what's your name michael Michael, are are you did you come from that last age you did you seem to walk in are you one from that last age you are you serious you are one that crossed through the darkest tower you are that one you came from laodicea the most perverted age hey daniel joseph come and look this is one of them that crossed over what's your name You also crossed through that dark hour? You received the message of that air? Oh my goodness. Come Esther, Ruth, look at this one. This is she, the bride of the last day that came through the darkest hour. If they're going to be that excited, what about you? You say yes, that's me. I did it. The darkest time, the wickedest time. I made it. I crossed through. That's me. I went through depression, I went through anxiety, I went through dark times. It's me,
3: I am she.
2: I'm the original seed. I didn't go through that carrier age. But then you'll say back to them, but the life came through you. You will live true to the word of your dower. You were pressured. You went through dark times. Yeah, we did too. Where else? Where can I see? Who else came to the, oh, here's a martyr that came with me. Oh, here's another one that went through the lines. Oh, my God. Can I talk to you a little bit? We're together. We're the bride. We're the whole body. It's every single one, every joint supply. I can't wait for that moment. You see, this is us. They're waiting for you and I. They're waiting for you and I. The final ones. The last day. Just hold it a little longer. Get fervent a little more. I read a quote today, by Abraham says, we just need to be more sincere and more solemnity. I said, oh God, help me be more sincere. So that you can move through this body, through this vessel. I want you to sing with them now as we close. You are she. Hey Amen. We'll sing the chorus. You are she.
3: The pride, the pride.
2: Here. i hope that song just rings to the anthems of your mind over and over and over because that's just a confession you put on your lips because the devil's gonna go at you as you walk out them doors right there and he's gonna start feeding you all the difficulties of tomorrow and all the past of today but you're like that don't matter Because I'm she, I'm this bride of this last day. And the worst you can give me, devil, you can even lay me on a cold slab and throw me in a morgue. But the seed inside of me is going to go into glory. So I don't really care what you do. What's the worst he can do? Kill you? Well, he just puts you into glory. All right, my time's up. That's the safety and the comfort of a believer. Oh, but that's a quivering place for an unbeliever or a make believer. If you can't walk out of these doors with that confidence, then maybe your place is at an altar. Maybe it's at a pew. But the bride can say, That's me. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father. Lord, all oh, jumbled up. I'm so sorry. Lord, uh, just desirous, Lord, that your people but recognize the day and the hour that we live in, the word that you gave us, Lord, to give us. Lord, I sight to see that we're not of an age gone by. As Butter Branham said, there is no denomination after this. There's no organization after this. He said this word has gone over at that point for 20 plus years and there still hadn't been no organized. And Lord, it's still going forth. The believers are still believing the pure word. There's no rigid organization, hybrid word. But Lord, it's the purity because you're coming for a bride that is adorned and waiting in the righteousness of your word. So Lord, we here confess tonight, Lord, we are she. We're that bride, Lord. Help us through these last hours of the, of the age. Help us, Lord, be victorious through thy blood, through thy word, oh God. We're overcomers, Lord, by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. So, Lord, we put your word. We adorn ourselves with it tonight. May we go from this service, I pray, a little bit encouraged, shaking off, Lord, the things of this world. And, Lord, knowing that the devil, Lord, is before us, but who can be against us when you're at, on our side, oh God? I commit your people to you in Jesus' Jesus Christ's name, go with him now in your, in your peace, we pray. Remembering our sister Vandy, Lord, as Mook passed on, we remember brother Deepak. Lord, before you one more time, Lord, his children, Lord, needing a touch, needing the Holy Spirit. Lord, he's held the token over his family. Lord, if the token worked for Rahab, if the token worked in Moses' day, the same God, the same blood, Lord, can save, Lord, his children. Lord, in any moment, Lord, you'll use these circumstances to draw them to your side, we pray. We commit them to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Go rejoicing. Maybe as you go, we can sing. We are heirs of the Father. As you shake each one's hand. Oh, we are
3: heirs of the Father. Amen. Go